Our scripture reading this morning, the Old Testament, is from the book of Joshua 4, verses 3 and 14 to 25. On, on, in your pew Bible, that is on page 369. Hear the word of the Lord. Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Shechem. He summoned the elders, leaders, judges, and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods, It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed these great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our our entire journey and among all the nations through which we travel. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. Joshua said to the people, You are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after he has been good to you. But the people said to Joshua, We will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, we are witnesses, they replied. Now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey him. On that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people and there at Shechem, he reaffirmed for them decrees and laws. The New Testament reading is from the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 25, verses 1 to 13. In your pew Bible, that is on page 1540. At that time, the kingdom of heaven would be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then as all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps, the foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. 
Later the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Here ended the reading. May the Lord write these words upon our hearts with love and with understanding. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Nelson. Would you pray with me? Lord, you alone have the words of life. To whom else shall we go? And so we come this morning looking for a word of life. Lord, we need hope and peace and love and assurance. All those things that are to be found in your presence. So Lord, meet us in this place today. We ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Two Saturdays ago, an actor that I really enjoyed passed away. Matthew Perry. Some of you may remember him as Chandler Bing on the show Friends. And I admit, back in the day, I was obsessed with Friends. And he was my favorite character in that show. But he was funny and quirky and sarcastic and cutting, and I really enjoyed him. Well, probably six or eight months ago, I saw him on a TV talk show. He had just released a book <clears throat> about his life, and he was giving a, an interview. And um, he was very open about some of the struggles that he's had in his life. Serious battles with addiction, mental health, alcoholism. In fact, at one time, his addiction was so bad, he lost all of his top teeth. Sometimes he would take as much as 55 Vicodin a day. He was in and out of rehab over 40 or 50 times. Really struggled. And was very open about his struggles and really made it his life mission in his latter years to help other people uh, get clean and stay clean. And so I was listening to him on this interview, at a, a, a secular show, not religious at all. But he started talking about his addiction and a breaking point that he reached. Listen to this. God, please help me, I whispered. Show me that you're here. God, help me. As I kneeled, the light slowly began to get bigger and bigger until it was so big that it encompassed the entire room. What was happening and why was I starting to feel better? I started to cry, he said. I mean, I really started to cry. That shoulder-shaking kind of uncontrollable weeping. I wasn't crying because I was sad. I was crying because for the first time in my life, I felt okay. I felt safe, taken care of. Decades of struggling with God and wrestling with life and sadness all being washed away like a river of pain gone into oblivion. I had been in the presence of God. I was certain of it. And this time I prayed for the right thing. Help. God had shown me a sliver of what life could be. He saved me that day and for all days, no matter what. He turned me into a seeker, not only of sobriety and truth, but also of him. And I knew that I had a choice. 
God or addiction. Powerful words. The thing that struck me about all of that, and all of it is moving, was that very last bit that he said, I knew I had a choice. God or addiction. This choice is all around us all the time. We make choices, big and small, each and every day. You made a choice to get up and to get dressed in the clothes you got dressed in. Maybe some extra layers this morning because you knew it would be cold here. And you made a choice to come to church. You'll make a choice of what to eat for lunch when you leave this place. Maybe you've been in shoes like Matthew Perry's and you've made a choice between destructive forces in your life and God. There are choices before us each and every day. And so for this Sunday and next Sunday, when we're thinking about generosity and gratitude and and stewardship, to me it makes sense to go way back to basics and to talk about choices. Because before we can think about giving our lives generously to God... We have to think in terms of choices. Here's what I mean. The scripture that Nelson read for us from the book of Joshua is one of my favorite in the whole Old Testament. Because this chapter in Joshua, chapter 24, really chapters 23 and 24, become a linchpin upon which the narrative turns. We have moments like that in all of scripture. And we have moments in the Old Testament Where there are moments of decision, of choice, that shape these people of God and that determine their journey and their destiny. And if you know anything about Joshua, he was a great general. And he was the one who assumed leadership for these people once Moses had died. And Joshua took them into the promised land. And if you read the book of Joshua carefully... You find over and again something happens, something that he does, something that his predecessor Moses did, was to always lay the choice before the people. That God was good and faithful and righteous and holy, and God had required such and such of his people. But there was always a choice. They could choose to enter into that covenant with God, knowing what was required of them, or they could choose another way, understanding the consequences of that choice. And starting in chapter 23 and into verse 24, Joshua is nearing the end of his life. And so he's gathered the people here at this place called Shechem. And he's recounting to them what God has done and what God will do. And he lays before them a choice. There's a significance to Shechem. When you read through your Bible and you come to places, mountains or rivers or names of land, it can be easy just to breeze right through it and to keep going. But these places have significance. There's deep spiritual meaning to places and Shechem is no exception. Shechem was the area when Moses first 
was called by God to leave Ur of the Chaldees and to go to a place that God would show him, he stops in Shechem. And he erects a place there of worship to God. It is in Shechem that the people are gathered. And there were two mountains that flanked this area called Shechem. Mount Nebo and Mount Gerizim. And there's this moment, which was very common in the ancient world at that time, of blessings and curses. So six representatives of the 12 tribes go up on one mountain, and six go up on the other mountain. And the people are all gathered in between. And six of them pronounce blessings upon them for following God's law and keeping His covenant. And the other six pronounce curses of what would happen if they were to stray from the terms of the covenant. And in that moment, the people were given a choice. Which will it be? Well, that had happened several years prior to when Joshua gathers the people for at the end of his life. And you know what had happened in between the pronouncement of blessings and curses and the people gathered at Shechem? And now when Joshua gathers them at Shechem in his old age, right before he dies, they'd come into the promised land and they had achieved great prosperity. We find something in the Bible, friends, that is in- often draw close to God when they are in need and when they have a problem or when they desire something from God. But you know what happens? When life is going good and they're prosperous and things are easy, they very quickly forget about this God to whom they have pledged their fealty. And so Joshua gathers them again. He reminds them, he recounts their history and all that God has done for them. And he says to them, choose today whom you will serve. The gods of the other ancestors, the false gods, the gods of these neighboring tribes, or the God of Israel who led you out of Egypt from bondage to slavery and to freedom. Who will you choose? The choice is always before us, just as it was before those ancient Israelites. Do you notice what Joshua does not say to them? He does not say, choose today, God or no God. Do you notice that? He says, choose for this day whom you will serve. The God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, capital G, big G God, or the other gods. Friends, every day you and I are serving God or a God. To not make a choice is to make a choice. Every day you and I are giving our very best self, pursuing something. Believing that that thing or that person can give us life and meaning and fulfillment. Because that's how God made us. That's how we're wired. It was the same with the ancient Israelites and it's the same with us now. And Joshua knew that. Choose this day who you will serve. God 
or gods. Some people worship pleasure, some worship success, some worship fame and reputation and money. All of that is God to them. Just like Matthew Perry, we have to make a choice. Are we going to serve God or are we going to serve our addiction? And friends, if we're all honest, all of us have some addiction. There are just some that are less taboo than others. And there's some that are more accepted than others. But a choice is set before us. Choose today whom you will serve. That call echoes down the pages of the Old Testament into the New Testament where Jesus goes along and He calls people to Himself. But when He teaches about discipleship, that call, that imperative to make a choice, you know what Jesus says again and again? Count the cost. Know what it is you're assenting to. Know what it is that you're agreeing to. Make preparation. Be ready. Know the choice. Lest you awaken in some hour and find that it is too late. Friends, this morning the choice is before us. What are we going to do with God? Now you may be sitting here and you may say to yourself, I answered that question years ago. Maybe you did. I thank God for that. But even for those of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ and have said yes to following Him, daily there is a choice that is laid before us. Are we going to take up our cross and follow? Or are we going to pursue our own self-interest? Are we going to commit ourselves to the way of holiness and righteous and mercy and peace and love? Or are we going to follow and give into and promote the values of this world? Both are gods. Both demand our ultimate allegiance. There's a reason Jesus said in the Gospels that you cannot serve God and mammon, which is more than money. That's the whole systems of the world. Everything the world holds dear, all of its values. Jesus says you cannot serve both. You must make a choice. Friends, if we are going to step into what God has for us, individually and as a church, if we're going to be His people in the world, if we're going to say yes to lives of, of generosity and welcome, we must know that thing to which we assent. We must know that we are making a choice. For those people that Joshua gathered, for the Israelites... If you know their story, you know that in this segment that Nelson read for us, they said, yes, we'll follow. That's what we want to do. We're ready to be faithful. No. In fact, as soon as they got settled and a little bit of prosperity, and as soon as they got comfortable, 
after bull, often what would happen? He would turn away from God and they'd forget about it. And so God would raise up people to call the people back to faithfulness. All the time letting them know that if they did not choose faithfulness, there would be consequences to that. You see, this is the thing about God, friends. We believe, as, as good Methodists, good Wesleyan Christians, that God gives us the freedom to choose. God empowers and enables our will to make a choice. God does not force our hand. But through Scripture, we find over and over again that what God does do is lays out before us the choice and what will follow depending on which one we choose. And we find the story of the people of God is one of making a choice and then reaping the benefits and then making another choice and dealing with the consequences and then making another choice and going back to God and, and, and embracing his faithfulness and their part in that. And then when they drift away, they experience the consequences. So the people change. The people are fickle. They go back and forth. Yet God never changes. God is always faithful and true. And he's always there. Indeed, in fact, God is the one who pursues the people. Imagine this. You don't find this in any other religion or any other system of faith. A God who actively pursues his people to love them and to be in a relationship with them. You see, when the people of God go astray, when they forget about him, when they follow after things of the world, when they engage in all sorts of things that are against God's law, God doesn't say, all right, I'm going to wait over here and then you come back to me when you're ready. While God never forces a choice, God always pursues them. God is always sending people to them to remind them of his love and of his goodness and of his faithfulness. God is always pursuing his people. Oh, don't we see that in Jesus' parables of the woman who searches for the coin, of the shepherd who has a hundred sheep and one is lost. And so he leaves and pursues to find the one who's lost of the father waiting in the distance for that son to return and runs to the son while he's still a long ways off. Oh yes, this God who gives us choices also always pursues us because he loves us. And it is in his very nature to love. But for you and me is a choice. Maybe it is to come to Jesus for the very first time. Maybe it is today in your heart, in this place, to commit yourself anew to following Jesus. To let the world go, but to have Jesus alone. Friends, this is the fundamental choice at the heart of everything. Everything comes from this. And if we don't deal with this, if we don't consider the choice, nothing else matters. What we do with the God who loves us 
and wants to be in a relationship with us is the most important choice we can ever make. Because from that choice come two things. When we say yes to God, and He fills us with His Spirit that enables us to be shaped and to be changed and to become more like Him. To be people who are holy and righteous and loving and merciful and generous. All out of response to a God who loves us. Or we can choose the values of this world. And Jesus says when we do that, we might find that we gain everything. Possessions, fame, success, status, pleasure. And yet in doing so, we lose our very soul. And friends, I don't know about you, but I have seen that. I have seen people give testimony to that, who have come to Jesus, who had everything, and yet they were completely lost and miserable. Hear the words from Joshua 24. Choose today. Not tomorrow. None of us know if we have tomorrow. Not next Sunday. Today, right now, choose who you will serve. Amen and amen. Amen.